Knick-knack, number eight, That Middle Child. This recording's a little different from what I've done before because it's actually just one long story. But I hope you'll listen and appreciate it. Psychologists and parents, both, like to say that the middle child has a place in the family that doesn't get any of the benefits of being either the oldest or youngest. I'm going to start by talking about our middle child, partly because it's one of the ways of recognizing that lack of birth order benefit. He was born with 20 minutes of labor. When the doctor dismissed us from the hospital, he explained that little J.D. had all kinds of tummy noises and that he probably would become a colicky baby. The doctor said, if you see any signs of this, bring him in and we can see if there's some medicine that will help. He never got colicky. However, in the daytime, particularly after he ate, I would hear him moan and moan, but he wouldn't cry, so he didn't get into that vicious circle. I would know he had a tummy ache. To this day, I'm not certain whether, as a child, he was patient or just plain stubborn. He didn't like fights or arguments. He would go to his room or away from anything that seemed antagonistic. Seems to me that it, he was always thinking. One day he was watching his brother play with little toy trucks, and J.D. managed to wiggle himself around and get his little slippers off. After he got his shoes off, he rolled over onto his tummy, put his hands in them, and drove them around in front of him. At the mall at Christmas time, when he was three or four, I don't remember exactly, we visited a Santa, and then he heard there was a Santa in one of the larger department stores. He wanted to go visit that one. Somehow he had also found out that there was a third Santa in still another department store, and he wanted to visit that one too. Since his brother was old enough to know about Santa, I suspected J.D. knew something also. I said to him, isn't this a little confusing? Don't you wonder how Santa can move so fast to be in three different places at the same time? He said, you never know. After the holidays that year, I took him and his little sister shopping in another mall. We stopped at the long end of a long walkway to eat a cookie. I took their cookie wrappers, turned around, and put them in the trash can. When I turned back again, the two of them were gone. I looked down the walkway, and J.D. and his sister were running full blast in the opposite direction, holding hands. I took after them, calling their names, but they didn't respond. When they arrived at the large Sears store, they ran through the wide open entry and kept running. I saw them heading for the parking lot and I was becoming in a panic. Suddenly they stopped and I was within hearing them. I heard JD say to a clerk, our mother has disappeared. 
And then he described everything I was wearing and added, she's a little round. The lady saw me running toward them and said, is that your mommy? Jill was crying. J.D. said, where did you go, mother? From the time he was about two years old, he often called me mother instead of mommy when he spoke to me. When he was about five, he was going to go with Daddy on an airplane to see Grandma and Grandpa in Colorado. J.D. said, are we going to pack a lunch? And my husband said, no, they'll give us food on the plane. J.D. became very quiet. And soon he was talking about how he didn't know if he wanted to fly to Colorado. Finally, I said, J.D., what is the problem? This should be fun. He said, well, don't get mad if I ask you something. I said, what? He said, well, on the airplane, when they give us food and I don't like it, are there going to be arguments? <laughs> well, after he was assured, assured that no one was going to argue with him or put him in another seat or take him off the plane, he seemed to be happy about the trip. He loved to draw pictures. When he was about four, he drew pictures of garbage trucks. There were garbage trucks campers, garbage truck police cars, garbage truck fire trucks, garbage truck boats, garbage truck airplanes, and every other kind of garbage truck a little boy could think of. From the time he was a little kid, he had choices about his clothing. I often said he didn't wear clothing, he wore costumes. I remember some of those preferences. He started with underoos, and then he went to wanting to wear only camouflage clothing. The selections got even more bizarre when he was in high school. He was likely to pick something out from a Goodwill store, and he'd end up wearing patterned pants, a bright, bright shirt with a goofy sweater tied around his waist, and some kind of weird shoes. He was eccentric in appearance, usually with long hair when it was no longer in style. I asked him once, J.D., would you cut your hair just for me? And he said, Mom, name one thing you ask me to do that I don't do for you, any other thing. I couldn't think of anything, so I decided I would never again pester him about his hair. His clothes somehow matched in an odd way, but they were not combinations anyone else would choose. I remember one in particular that was a kind of green and brown and black striped pants, a black t-shirt, and a black and white polka dot shirt. It worked. I don't know how, but it worked. When he was in kindergarten, the eye doctor told us he had a lazy eye and it should be patched. The doctor took a lot of time explaining to J.D. why he had to wear a patch so that he could explain it to his classmates and not get teased in school. I was told later that he walked into school that morning, the next morning, 
and he pointed to his eye patch and said, we will not talk about this. And no one ever asked him. I picked him up after school one day when he was in about second grade, and some classmates were teasing him. I said, what's that about? He said, they're teasing me about my friends. So if they tease me, they are not my good friends. So why should I give up my good friends for kids that tease me and aren't that good of friends? When he was 11, he got very, very sick one spring night. My husband stayed with the other two kids while I took J.D. to the emergency room. It turned out, after two days of trying to figure it out, that he had osteomyelitis, which is an infection of the bone, in his case, the bone in his foot. He was in the hospital for a solid month and was very, very sick. As he got better, he drew pictures. There were funny pictures with ironic or sarcastic cartoons about the hospital. I remember one where there was a cleaning lady in the hospital room with a bottle that said soap. And there was a nurse standing there with alcohol that she was using to wipe down J.D.'s bed. But under the bed were two little mice in a nest with valentine hearts above their heads. We finally were able to take him home, and after a long recuperation period, he did quite well. I tend to believe that every child has a special ability. J.D. was creative, but more than that, he had a wisdom that sometimes left me speechless and often laughing. He and his sister were arguing one day in the back seat of their grandma's car on the way to the store. If you don't stop, she said, I'll never take you with me to the store again. My mother-in-law said J.D. put his arm around his sister and softly said, Don't worry, grandmas forget. Our oldest and youngest loved Mr. Rogers on TV. J.D., not so much. One day as the show was ending, our oldest said to his brother, I don't know why you don't like Mr. Rogers. He likes you just the way you are. And J.D. said, Yeah, well... He says that to everybody. It was a winter day, and our daughter couldn't find one glove. She had an eye appointment the previous day and wanted to go to school early because she was diagnosed with double vision, and the doctor told her she needed to sit in front. She wanted to tell the teacher. Holding one glove in her hand, she was becoming very frustrated and almost in tears because she didn't want to go out in the cold and snow without her gloves. J.D., age eight, looked at her and said, what you should be doing is looking for a pair of gloves. One day the kids and I were talking, maybe in the car. I think they were all teenagers. I asked them what kind of things they dreamed of doing. Our oldest said, he wanted to be a fine musician, and actually he became one. Our daughter said she wanted to be a nurse and a mom. She is. I said, I'd like to rent a raft and float down 
the creek to the Elkhorn River, and then to the Platte. Our oldest said, you'll be bit up by bugs, and you might get sick from a bug bite. Our daughter said, I don't want to have to take care of the horrible sunburn you'll have on the back of your neck. J.D. said, I'll go with you, Mother. For a couple of years, all three of our kids were together on a bike ride across Nebraska. It was an organized ride, broken into seven segments, and the riders would camp for the night in towns that had prepared for them. Our daughter told me that her oldest brother would get up early, ride very fast, and be the first one into the campsite the next day. She said she usually got there a couple hours later. Then, she said, her big brother and she would worry and worry and worry about where J.D. was and why he hadn't ridden in yet. Sometimes he'd be among the very last to come in. Later, I asked him, why do you ride so slowly on that bike trip? He said, well, if you're going to ride across Nebraska, you ought to see Nebraska. He loved to draw and paint. He loved to sing in choir, loved to play his drums, and we think his trombone. At least we got one for him. He loved to act in musicals, plays, and be in other types of competitions. He had a stage presence that I hadn't really noticed until music camp one high school summer. He came on stage in a leather jacket, singing the song of the dentist in Little Shop of Horrors. The audience of kids his age started shrieking and screaming and all stood up. J.D. ate it up and hammed it up. Some of it might have been his swagger and his costume, but a lot of it was his personality in front of the audience. He was a real character. On several occasions, my husband and I would look at one another and say, now, where did he come from? Are we remembering this correctly? As a kid, he was good, but he wasn't perfect. Disciplining him was tricky. Given the choice of a behavior or a punishment, he would take the worst-case scenario. If I said, stop doing that or go to your room, he would do whatever it was one or two more times, and then he'd go to his room. Once we grounded him for two weeks, he didn't complain or argue, and he monitored the time himself. When the two weeks was up, he said, okay, I'm going now, my grounding is over. No fun for us at all. J.D. had put off having his senior picture taken until his actual senior year. He then announced he was ready, so I made an appointment. I said, what do you plan to wear? And he listed off some of his favorite weird items of clothing. And he added, I also want my picture taken in a suit, a real suit. Given that his brother had a suit in high school, and thinking that J.D. might want one for college, I agreed to take him shopping at Penny's, so we got him one. I told him he would have to be responsible for washing the own, his own clothes that he wanted to wear for his pictures, so he had to get them to me two weeks before the appointment. Two weeks, he hadn't set aside the clothes he wanted to wear. One week, 
I heard nothing about his clothes. I said, I'll make an exception to check and wash your clothes if you get them to me tomorrow. The next day came, nothing happened. He went to a friend's house the night before his photo shoot. When he got home, I said, what are you going to do about your clothes? His sister piped up. He asked me, so I took care of everything but the ironing. <laughs> In the morning, J.D. bounced down the stairs and asked me if I would iron his shirt. I said, I plan to iron anything that needs ironing at my lunch break at noon. He grinned, don't forget. I wrote a pass for him to leave school early and early enough to get his drum set that was at his friend's house in the country. I offered to go get them myself, and he jokingly said, I don't trust you or Mrs. Wilson to know what I want. As he walked out the front door, he said, Don't forget now, Mom. He was wearing his yellow suede shoes, polka dot pants, and a shirt that said, Hello, my name was Elvis. From outside the window, he mouthed the words, don't forget, gave me a big smile and got in his car to go to school. It was a beautiful, sunshiny October day. His car and a very heavy truck collided on a blind country intersection that afternoon. He never came home again. My name is Jane Nelson O'Leary. I might talk more about this in a few weeks. Thank you so much for listening to me, and I hope you'll return so I can tell you about more of the intangible and tangible knickknacks that are stored in my mind's shelf of memories. <laughs>